you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. Happy Thursday to you here. We've got Bucky, the second episode of the week and we are now, seasons behind us, we are full-fledged in the draft mode. We're in the draft. It is our time. We get a chance to look at all these guys and start uh, looking ahead. All right, let's let's, let's uh, jump in here on your favorite thing, my favorite thing, everybody's favorite thing. That's mock drafts. Okay. Um, got my new mock draft here. Look, I've, I've got my computer out here, Buck, so you can take a, take a peek here at what we got. Oh, uh, man, let's see. So uh, go ahead. You, you can navigate, and I'll bounce off you here. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to read his – I just have to read the top five because the top five – there are a couple of surprises already. So, number one, Miles Garrett going to the Cleveland Browns. That's not a surprise because of they need a pass rusher. Number two. That might shock some people, huh? San Francisco 49ers bypassing the quarterback going with Marshawn Lattimore, the corner from Ohio State. And people have said, oh, they've got some corners. They have other needs. Look, I, I think he's a, he's a phenomenal have. football player. John Lynch is a secondary guy. I could see them potentially looking at safety. I just feel a little bit better about their safeties than I do about their corners. So, go ahead and get some help back there. When they were – at their best a few years ago on the Harbaugh. They had two really good corners on the outside, so I think they certainly could think about going back there. Number three, the Chicago Bears, Jonathan Allen. At four, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jamal Adams. Just Jamal Adams, stop right there for a second. That just makes too much sense to me. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. you got Tom Coughlin in that building now who's going who's gonna to really value toughness and leadership. He brings that. You know him going back to high school, Buck. I mean, it just seems like a Tom Coughlin type of a guy. Well, I think if you're trying to change the attitude, change the culture, you add Jamal Adams to go with – I mean, Jalen Ramsey is a war daddy too now. So so now you're beginning to get some of those – because those guys hate losing. They come from winning programs. And I think if we're going to flip the program, you have to have winners in there. Jamal Adams would give them something. I'm a bit surprised, How about but one? I love the player. I love the player, but I'm more surprised at the pick. The Tennessee Titans taking Reuben Foster at five. And 
Look, I have a love affair with Ruben Foster's game. He's old school. He's menacing. He's tough. He does all those things that you want to see. But you would think maybe safety would be in play. Sixth, the New York Jets, Leonard Fournette. Seven, seeing that, San Diego Charlie Cooker. Cooker. Eight, the Carolina Panthers take another defensive tackle, Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas can play out, can play outside it in, do like a Michael Bennett type of a clone. They absolutely need someone that need can some be more a pass rush. They don't have that. At number nine, Mike Williams going to the Cincinnati Bengals. How much and would Mike Williams get off, by the way, with AJ Green on the other side? Boom, boy. Well, not only that, like how how about this as a young receiver core? AJ Green, Mike Williams, and then you have Tyler Boyd. Three young receivers that continue to grow. It helps your quarterback get better. And at ten. Deshaun Watson to the Buffalo Bills. How about that? That's one of the teams I just keep, you know, getting the vibe that they're going to jump on one of these quarterbacks. Which one it is, Buck? I have absolutely no idea. I don't think they even know right now because they have to make a decision on Tyrod Taylor um, before they can even proceed. Let's go quickly. 11 through 15, Quincy Wilson going to the Saints. O.J. Howard going to the Cleveland Browns. So hit, hit, stop real quick there on O.J. Howard. So a co- the two teams with a couple first-round picks, right? You've got Cleveland and you've got Tennessee. To me, I look at that and say, okay, you're Cleveland. You want sure things, right? You want blue chip players with high floors so there's no – they've had so many misses in the first no misses. round. So you get Miles Garrett, who has that elite ability, who I think is, is a great kid. Yep. All that stuff checks out. Then you've got O.J. Howard. I know you already have a tight end. You've got a solid yeah, but, tight end. Yeah, in but Barnage. Bar- Bar- Barnage but, this is yeah. a different level tight end. And to me, he's one of the safest picks in the draft. So you've got sure things, two sure things with their first two picks. And they absolutely know him because I think that he was, they coached him down to the senior bowl. So there they got a chance to kind of experiment and do some things with him. At 13, the Arizona Cardinals, first receiver off the board. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Second receiver, second, Corey yeah. Davis. Yep. Corey Davis going to the Arizona Cardinals. Nice pick because Larry Fitzgerald is probably in the last year uh, of his career. You want to find someone to replace it. The Indianapolis Colts, Dalvin Cook. How about that one? Nice. Well, they, look, you got a new general manager in there. You could look on either side of the line. I thought they did a decent job last year of upgrading that offensive line. Defensively is definitely a place I think, you know, if I was going to bet, look, you do different scenarios, I would say probably more likely they go defensive lineman here. But Dalvin Cook in that offense with Andrew Luck looked pretty good. Here's what I would say, and this is what I would go back to. I'll go back to when Peyton Manning was very successful because we're trying to use those parallels with Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning was there, they quickly got him Edrin James. They surrounded him with playmakers on the outside. You could say that they have enough weapons in the passing game to do what they want to do with Andrew Luck, but they need that difference maker in the backfield. Dalvin Cook certainly can be a guy that can do like that. To me, I see some nice yeah. skills. Um, Sidney Jones, the Philadelphia Eagles at 15. I'm a Sidney Jones guy. I mean, I like Corner him. from Washington, just a really, really good football player. Really good football player, very solid. Uh, I think he's Marcus Peters without some of the questions that you may have had about Peters coming out. The Baltimore Ravens, Taco Charlton coming out of Michigan. The Harbaugh connection. Uh, yeah, bro. One Harbaugh so, to another. How about that? The Washington Redskins, Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky. That will be one that I'm sure will probably send up a couple red flags. No question. I don't think people know as much about him. Now, he's only there at the Senior Bowl for a day before he got hurt. Played left tackle. Was a really good left tackle. But I don't know, size-wise, I think he projects more inside. And if you look at Callahan's presence there as the offensive line coach coming from Dallas where they built that offensive Build line. Build the offensive line. And now you've already got a, a really, really good offensive line, top five probably in the league. And now you add Forrest Lamp in there at guard to pair up with Scherf. And you've also got Trent. I mean, you've got a group now. You have a group. And we're going to presume that Kirk Cousins is back. And so if we're trying to help Kirk Cousins be the best that he can be for the Redskins, you want to make sure that you have a solid offensive line, you have weapons on the outside. That could be the final piece to that offensive line puzzle. So that makes sense. Tennessee Titans, John Ross at 18, coming out of Washington. So that's an explosive wide receiver. Now, this is my thinking on the Titans on their philosophy here. 
John Ross and Ruben Foster. They are known, right? They are a phys- they've already established themselves as a physical team. Yes. So if you're going to try and pair up with what you have, you're physical, let's get some speed. You bring in Reuben Foster on the defensive side of the ball, and now you bring in John Ross on the offensive side of the ball, you've added some serious explosiveness to your team. I mean, it makes the team better. You still have to continue to build this offense around what Marcus Mariota does very, very well. They have speeches, but they don't have route runners. I believe John Ross is one of the more complete receivers in this draft. 19, Alvin Kamara going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can't, you can't. Can't count, you can't count on what you have in Doug Martin right now. We saw at the end of the season some personal issues that showed up there. To me, Alvin Kamara can do everything that, that he can do. I think he can do him even at a higher level. I think he's more explosive. Can help you out in the passing game. Um, never, We talked about it already. He's never had more than 18 carries in college, but I thought that was a Tennessee problem, not a Kamara problem. He is a really, really talented football player. Very talented football player. He, I, I kind of liken him to Jamal Charles when I watched him on tape, his ability to make plays not only as a runner but as a receiver. He could be a special three-down back if he shows he could carry the workload. The Denver Broncos at 20, Ryan Ramzik from Wisconsin. Got to upgrade the offensive line there. I don't think that's a secret. This next one is the one that's got some people scratching their heads, Buck. I, I mean, I mean – the Detroit Lions take David Joku. And this is the tight end from Miami who, trust me, so you can put him jumped on him early. He's my he's a top to me, I think he's a top twelve. But what about Eric Ebron? That's the first thing that fans are saying. What, first what thing about you're saying, okay, let's look at the structure. So we have two first round tight ends. Let's look at the structure of this organization. The GM, Bob Quinn, where was he previously, Buck? Here's what the New England Patriots. New England Patriots. I want to say maybe they've had a couple different times. They have a couple different times. I don't know if they've ever expended two two first-round picks on a tight end, though. This is a big-time dude now. I mean, rare, rare athlete in David Njoku. And now you've got a chance. You talk about ability to to stress out a defense. I know Eric Ebron's been inconsistent. Hold on, hold on. You have got two. I had a a voice for the heavens tell me that (laughs) the New England Patriots. Arjuna, go ahead and drop that nugget again. Drop, Drop the nugget. Uh, the Patriots in 2002 took Daniel Graham in the first round and then Ben Watson in 04 in the first round. There you go. How about that? I feel like this, so is, this, is, this is I feel like you have been communicating away from me. I like there's that. There's a private text chain. Uh, so How about that? Arjuna chipping in there. So that's what we've got there. I think that offense with what they already have, and now you throw another. Well, because like here, here's the thing that we, we can learn after watching the teams that went to the Super Bowl. It's great that you're able to throw the ball over the yard, but you still need to be able to control the game while being able to throw it. You now have two big body tight ends and Joku and Ebron. It gives you an opportunity to play 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. You still can control it. And if they can find a runner, because this is a draft that, I mean, they're running backs all over the board. They can find a number one bell cow runner. They can be physical when they need to be, but they also can give Matthew Stafford the weapons they need to spread it out. So I look, I Twitter people freak out on these mock drafts and I usually, I take it all in stride. It's fun, which is a fun exercise when you're trying to put these things together. I don't take it too seriously, but the only thing I will say is, after the combine, everybody that's been giving me heat on David and Joko, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the lyrics from uh, one of my favorite artists, one of the all-time greats. Come and talk to me. Really <laughs> a little Joe, a little Joe to see. Okay, I get it. I get it. Talk to you. All right, let's go next here. Miami go. Dolphins, Derek Barnett, defensive man from Tennessee, the New York Giants. Hold, hold, stop. <laughs> Wait, what are, you, what are you pausing for, Buck? I, I mean, the New York you Giants. You stopped. The New York Giants have a two-time su- Super Bowl winner at quarterback. They but do. you have them taking Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina, quarterback. You're going to have to explain yourself. Well, here we go. Let's uh, let's go on the Wayback Machine. Okay, Wayback. Brett Favre. Yes. Playing pretty pretty high level. Oh. So you see. They went, they, I want to say they were picking, I don't know, maybe in the right, right right around same there. range. Same range. Same-ish. I think there was 24th. This is a 23rd pick. And we say, okay, let's – Keep an eye towards the future a little bit. Mitch Trubisky is the name that I 
keep getting a little bit more buzz throughout the league. I don't know. I have no idea where he's going to land, Buck, but I know there are some sponsors and some supporters out there. A lot of supporters. The limited number of starts is a, is an issue for some folks, but he's he's got a lot of ability from your from your North Carolina Tar Heels. So if you're the Giants, you sit here and say, kind of like this guy. Fell into our lap. We don't have to play him right He's away. an upgrade over to backups. Oh, not even close. Yeah, it's easy. So we're going to still roll with Eli, but we've got – We've got this guy in the wings here, ready to go. And also, when you look at the system that the Giants run, they run really a quick rhythm passing game that is out of the West Coast system. He does a great job of getting the ball out of his hands. He's played in a spread offense. You now put him behind Eli. They have similar personalities in terms of being more quiet guys. He can sit and learn how to lead in his own way and have a lot of success with that, I think, a very, very dynamic wide receiver core. Arjuna, behind the glass, i got a question for you. Put those headphones on. Quick question for you. The New York Giants head coach. What's his name again? Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo. Where where'd he come from? But like he was Green. the offensive coordinator for the Giants before. Yeah, but where where was he before that? Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Green Oh, wait. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> okay, anyways, let's just move on. Here. What do we got next here? Oh, uh, the Oakland Raiders. I I love this pick. I mean, I, I guess we still should call them the Oakland Raiders. I, I don't, the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Davis White from LSU. I like that pick. You got to know him a little bit, Buck. Got to know him a little bit. Now, this this is what was very impressive about him. One, I didn't know he was a wide receiver in high school. Didn't play corner until he got to LSU. Stayed an extra year at LSU because he wanted to refine his game and talking to him. Look, I knew about the physical skills after watching him at the Senior Bowl and watching him on tape, but his football IQ, understanding the game, wanting to understand, I think he'd be a nice fit in that defense that's going to change. Remember, they hired John Pagano in the offseason. He will begin to put his imprint on that defense. I like I like that fit. Can play inside, can play outside, can return for you if you need him to. I, look, every year you try and self-evaluate. We talk about this all the time. you got to look at your hits and misses, and that's a game we play here on the podcast where I talk about guys I got right, guys I got wrong. We'll continue to do that uh, as we go forward. But, Bucky, the, the number one reason that I look at my own mistakes and guys I've missed on, the number one, they don't love football. They're not passionate about it. And it's, you can get by on skill and ability in college, but this is a business now. These are all professionals. And if you aren't willing to put everything into it, you're not going to be successful. Everything I've heard about him that you just mentioned, mature, smart, gets it, loves ball. To me, okay, maybe the ceiling might not be as quite as high as some of the other folks at this position. I feel great about his floor. I think he's going to be a rock-solid player. I mean, you have to love Ball and the fact that he's already graduated. He has all that stuff. He comes to the league as a very, very mature young man. I like that. Houston Texans with Garrett Bowles out of Utah. Yeah, a bit, look, he, a really, really talented player. I think he, ability-wise, should go higher than pick number 25. Again, limited number of, of starts and snaps there at Utah. Uh, after coming, he's got a real interesting backstory, which we'll get into later on in the in the draft season. But uh, uh, he's an interesting one. I think the Houston Texans look offensive line get a little bit better there. Twenty six, the Seattle Seahawks, Marlon Humphrey from Alabama. Raw, uh, Marlon Humphrey. Look, he's got great genes. Obviously, with his dad, Bobby Humphrey, played with his dad. Oh, the, 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 his dad, how, his dad, how his was dad, he? His dad came through Buffalo when I was there. Okay. Nice guy. I mean, great haircut. I, very high, great. High, top. high top. Before everyone was rocking a high top. I love the high top. But, look, he's got some really good tape. He's got, you know, he's got great size. He's physical. He's tough. He had a huge hit in the USC game early in that game. I want to see on Justin Davis yep. uh, on, on an outside run. 
to me, the one issue when I say raw is because just improving his ability to locate the football down the field, that was something that I thought he struggled with. He lost some of those big balls. You saw I was at the LSU game. I think he gave up a play in that one. He, uh, I want to say Ole Miss. He got beat up a little bit. And then uh, Mike Williams, I believe, got him in the get Clemson game. But a lot of tools to work with. And just looks like – I mean, that's a Seattle corner right there. I mean, yeah, that they, size. At, at some point, like, I, I feel like they've kind of plateaued. They have to kind of have an infusion of talent to push them over the top. But 27, I'm really excited because – Last night, I studied this guy, and it's funny. He's fun, isn't he? 27, Buda Baker, Washington safety. And in your graph, you talk about Eric Berry, and you mentioned a similar skill set. In my notebook, that was my pro comparison. Get out of here. When I looked at nice. him, he reminded Love me of that. Eric Berry. And part of the reason is because really at UW, he, he kind plays, plays corner. Like, he plays nickel. Yeah, he's a nickel In essence, he's a nickel corner mm-hmm. safety. Love the way he tackles. I love his aggressiveness. I think his cover skills still can need some work because he's kind of playing on athleticism as yeah. opposed to, like, refined technique. But in terms of being around the ball and Great making instincts. plays and having the stuff, love him. I wish he field. caught the ball a little bit better. That would be my one knock. You on know, the funny thing, though, it, he was an opening kid, a kid that we saw in high school, and he was kind of a do-it-all guy. Like what is, what is he in? Uh, back? Running back maybe? Running back everything. Yeah. He's a super athlete in high school. So – I believe he's a guy that his best football would certainly be at the pro level. I talked to somebody with a team that felt like they thought if you just line him up at corner, he was the third best corner in this draft. I mean, thought he was great. the best nickel, and they thought he was the third best corner if you wanted to make that switch. That's the big thing on Buddha is I think he's an ideal nickel guy, and with so many teams lining up and playing nickel extensively, we talk about that big nickel too. Where you got yeah, I mean, somebody there that can play. You're getting run. a guy who is a nickel, but in essence is a safety. So the tackling and some of the issues that you worry about in the run game. Buda Baker can hold up, so I like that pick. All right, here we go. Charles Harris, Missouri, going to the Dallas Cowboys at 28. T.J. Watt to the Green Bay Packers. At Is that not a great I – mean, to me, that just he, he's at Wisconsin. It's a short little trip there. Short little trip. They don't have to go too far. Put him and Clay happen. Matthews on the other side. Why not? Why not? Uh, how about Pittsburgh Steelers 30, Hassan? Reddick from Temple. So this is the thing. When when I was uh, working in Baltimore, we would watch certain players, and we were like, okay, this is a Raven. Like this this dude just plays like a Raven. And, and Reddick, I would say, is like that. But like us, we always felt like certain guys were Steelers. Heath Miller, I've told the story before. When they were on the clock, Ozzy's like, just put Heath Miller up there. I mean, it's a Steeler if I've ever seen one. Like he's just made the play for them. Son Reddick with his toughness. Um, his instinct, speed, it just he's got a little grit and a little nastiness to him. To me, he is a perfect, perfect player to fit into the Steelers. Stevens can play. You can stack him inside. He can do that. If you need him to rush a little bit, he can he can play outside. I think he'd be a beautiful fit. Tremendous story. He's a guy who's a former walk-on. He was a walk-on safety at Temple. To go from being a safety guy way in the back end to being able to be an edge rusher to now moving inside says a lot about his toughness. But what you get with that is a pretty dynamic athlete. When you see him rush, you see him blitz. He has some pop to him. He does a great job of kind of getting skinny and finding a way to get to the quarterback. In Pittsburgh, because you have questions of whether Lawrence Timmons will come back, Maybe he's a guy that can be the call of the defense. And you put him beside Ryan Shazier, who has a similar mm-hmm. background, a similar story. Very athletic, tough. These guys can grow together. And what you're looking for is to build a nucleus that can grow together for five, six, seven years. Hassan Reddick may be that guy. I got two picks left here, Buck. Atlanta Falcons at 31, heartbroken, trying to figure out how to get back to Karis McKinley from UCLA, outside linebacker. I like that because he's an outstanding pass he's rusher. A, he's a sprinter. Yeah. I mean, he's got a sprinting background. He's probably going to run in the high four fours at the combine. Now you've got him on one side, Vic Beasley on the other. Speed. 
new stadium, loud, maybe not even piped in noise, just authentic noise. And also, you, you're also understanding building your team for the environment that you play on and the team that you have on offense. This is a team that should continue to be a defense that plays from ahead. So now you have to be able to hunt the quarterback. And so you got Vic Beasley coming into his own. Yeah, McKinley, if you're able to keep Dwight Freeney because he was so impactful on the development of Beasley, teach him how to pass rush. I like that. I like All right, real like quick, that. before we get to the final pick here of the Patriots, this uh, Falcons team right now, okay, we I just t- gave him Tack McKinley, okay? So if you have Tack McKinley and you have Beasley, you've got – let's go to the Colts, okay, in their heyday. Uh-huh. You've got um, – Robert Bob, Mathis. Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. Now you look at the Colts, had a big-time number one wide receiver, Marvin Harrison. Now you've got Julio Jones. They had some nice – obviously our Reggie Wayne yep. was big-time player. Now I wouldn't put Muhammad Sanu at that level, but they've got some they side got some nice They've some nice Some nice, nice number weapons. twos. Um, you look at the tight end-wise, Hooper, they're hoping, can maybe be their Dallas Clark. You look at the running backs. They had Edron James. Now you, you've got Devontae Freeman. They've kind of trying to recreate a little bit of what you had there with the Colts and playing indoors. You talk about playing with the lead, build a team to be able to hunt the quarterback. Yeah, because they're That's, fast. They're kind of the new wave Colts. Yeah, because they're pushing it. They're a team that can push the pace. We'll see because with Sark, they say they want to keep the same offensive playbook playbook the same philosophy they want to make sure that they can build around the quarterback and keep him going so you have the offense that looks like it has all the bells and whistles on defense they're young they started four rookies on this defense that played in the super bowl you had some more athleticism some more speed i like that because you got to have to how about how about if you look on the defense now i'm just going through this off the top of my head you had in Indy, you had those undersized linebackers that could fly. You got Deion Jones who can run like crazy. Oh, yeah. You, you look at um, uh, Devondre Campbell as a young linebacker. Fast. Can, can run. run. Then you look at the safety position with those Colts. Bullet Bob Sanders was an explosive hitter. Keanu Neal comes in and kind of is that explosive middle of the field player. Well, he drops down the box a little bit more in this defense, but it's it's a lot of the same design. A lot of the, lot of the same design. You want to be able to cover. They want to be simple because – Everything that you hear from there, even in talking to their guys, they talk about we want our guys to play fast and loose and free and just run to the ball. And so the scheme is simple. They want their athleticism to overwhelm you. And when you're playing with the lead and you know the other team is one-dimensional, they have to pass it, you want to be able to get after it. McKinley and some of the other young guys there gives them an opportunity to get back because I don't think they're going anywhere. Will they go back to the Super Bowl next year? I don't know. I think it's tough to kind of come back from that hangover. But in terms of being a team that is built to make a run the next three or four years, they certainly can do that. All right, last pick here in the first round. You know, it's funny. Uh, the New England Patriots, Jabril Peppers, Michigan safety. This is a team that understands how to use and deploy their personnel. Whatever their special traits are, whatever they have in terms of versatile skills, Bill Belichick does a great job of using it. Peppers would give them something that they haven't really had in the back end, a guy that can kind of be a hybrid player that can do a bunch of different things. I'm sure he would love to have a guy like that that he kind of tinker with and move around and do some special things with. Yeah, unique skill set there. All right, real quick, I'll go through the update on my top 50. Not a lot of changes. Um, O.J. Howard did move up a handful of spots after seeing him down at the Senior Bowl. I've got Njoku, uh, the tight end from Miami, one spot ahead of him. They're 12 and 13. I, I, I think they're both you know, top 15 type guys, big time dudes. Um, go back through here. Deshaun Kaiser, it really had some other guys kind of climbed up above him. Mm-hmm. Derek Barnett moved up, talked about O.J. Howard. Um, so he just dropped down a couple spots. He's my, still my top quarterback at 18. 
Um, McCaffrey, I moved up four spots. Buck, again, I'm just watching these playoff games and watching running backs with that diverse skill set, how you can employ them in today's league. And I just thought this guy's this guy's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to be a really good player in the right system, people that understand how to have a clear plan for using him. I think automatically on day one he's your return specialist. He automatically is your third down guy. If he can show that he can run the ball a little more, maybe he does more. But I think he is a guy like Darren Sproles has been able to do throughout his career. He can give you those splash plays in a variety of different ways. Marlon Humphrey uh, from Alabama moved up a lot for me. Really just went back and watched a couple more games. He's a tough one for me to figure out. I appreciate his natural ability. Bumped him up because of that. Now he loses some 50-50 balls, which I discussed, but just a really, really athletic kid. Um, you like to work with Hassan Reddick. I hadn't done previously. We touched on the linebacker from Temple. He comes in at number 41. Ryan Anderson, again, as I'm kind of watching Humphrey and seeing more Ryan Anderson, I appreciate just everything that he does. Not going to be the greatest athlete, I don't think, but just use that term. Solid. He's productive. a war dad. He's a war, war dad. Plays hard. There's, there's, there's a place. Guys that play hard, sometimes they find a way to win and always have steady production. Evan Ingram uh, moved into the list. Uh, tight end from Ole Miss, had a great week down there. Gerald Everett, we've discussed previously, South Alabama tight end, one of my favorite players in the draft, but showed up at 227 pounds at the Senior Bowl after playing at 244. The weight thing uh, troubled me a little bit, so he drops in. Fabian Moreau, the corner from UCLA, was at the East-West game. How about that? Six foot, 200 pounds. He's going to run under 4'4", Buck. He's a good football player, and to me, I think he's he's a second-round pick all day long. You know, he is a guy that has caught some buzz when we saw him down at the East-West when you talked to scouts about him. They just thought he was very soft. He was very solid in all aspects. Nothing necessarily great, but very, very good in a bunch of different things. Uh, big corners are hard to find. Big corners are hard to find. And your number two corner, he doesn't necessarily need to be a star. He just needs to be steady Eddie, and I think he could be a steady Eddie corner in the league. Terrell Basham, defensive end from Ohio U, did a nice job at the Senior Bowl as well. He cracked the list at 49. So that's uh, some of the updates there from the Oh, top we're, top we're missing list. a guy. Who do you want? We're missing a guy that has a lot of buzz on his name, Zach. Oh, Zach, Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt. Every from time Vanderbilt. I look at all these lists, I see his name. When I talk to scouts, I have some guys tell me that he could be one of the best inside guys in the country in the draft. Tell me a little bit about Zach Cunningham. So a lot of people will question like? me on this one. So how do you not have him in your top 50? Again, you each have your own list based off your own grades. Now, he does some good things. I think he's he's got obviously great size. He can really, really run. He's got some lateral range. But to me, he's a little bit high cut, which means you got, you're got long-legged. He's a little bit stiff. Um, I thought he played a little bit timid at times. Again, I, I appreciate the size, the speed combination. He's got production there at Vanderbilt, no doubt. I just like some of these other guys better. Like you, like you tell me. I know, I know. You said somebody compared him to, to that they would compare him to Reuben Foster, which I don't even think that's even remotely. No, there's close. some there's some guys, some scouts in the southeast talked about of the two, they preferred Zach Cunningham because of the size and 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 what he looks like. He's a body beautiful kid. He does have sideline to sideline range. I questioned some of the instincts when I looked at it on tape. Sometimes I felt like I needed him to pull the trigger, and he was a little late pulling the trigger. Um, he makes some plays, but to me, you're talking about wanting someone in those first two rounds. I want splash plays. I want plays that are difference-making in the game, game-changing plays. I didn't see a lot of those. I saw a lot of tackles. I couldn't dispute the production, but I didn't see a lot of TFLs. I didn't see sacks when he was a blitzer. I didn't see forced fumbles or interceptions. Did you see any, any strike, any explosive strike? I, didn't, I saw a guy that was kind of uh, rugged. He'd get you down. I just wondered if he had some nasty. The difference between, like, a Zach Cunningham and a guy like um, either Jerry Davis or even Reuben Foster, 
Ruben Foster plays, you feel his presence off the tape. His physicality, his toughness, his alpha presence, I felt that. With Zach, I didn't feel that. And I don't know, maybe that's something that in the right environment, you put him on a defense that is full of dogs. Like maybe if he goes to Houston, for instance, and he has J.J. Watt and Clowney and all those other guys, maybe he steps up his physicality. But I just would like to see a little more aggressiveness from a guy at the inside line. Based off what you've seen right now, you saw him at the Senior Bowl as well. Tomorrow you got a, you're in the draft room and they ask you, Bucky, we're up. We need a linebacker. Are you taking Hassan Reddick or are you going to take Zach Cunningham? Who are you taking? Ooh, I think Hassan Reddick is just more active. And I, I, act, active guys have a tendency to make more plays. And the versatility and the thing, I'm going to go with Hassan Reddick just so because the motor, the motor revs a little higher than Cunningham. I think Cunningham can be a good player. Uh, when I wrote down in my notes, I wrote down he kind of reminds me a little bit of Derek Johnson because I thought Derek Johnson thought was a, Derek Johnson was a finesse linebacker at Texas, and he was a tough evaluation. Yes. He, he was, was athletic, tough. run it, made a lot of production, could run like crazy, but he was finesse. That was a big knock on him. And so he reminded me of Derek Johnson, and a player like that is very important that he is covered up, meaning that the guy that plays in front of him, the defensive tackle, absorbs and eats up a lot of blocks, so this guy can run and chase. Because I felt like when blockers got into him. He was slow to disengage. Like, he could kind of be nullified if people were able to climb and get on top of him. Some other guys, Foster and some of the other guys that we'll talk about, they just find a way to get to the ball. I just need to see him get to the ball more. Now, Derek Johnson may be a Hall of Famer. He's had a great career. He has a great He's been career. a great player. But, I, but I can remember in the draft room, I was in Baltimore. There was a lot of conversation. There about, was a big is, debate. Is he, he is not. That's not our type of player now. He is not a physical striker. He's an avoid. He's a slip block guy. That's not what we play with here. Yeah, and, and – Zach hasn't mastered the art of slipping blocks. And so that's the thing he'll have to learn. If he's not going to be a guy that takes him on, he's not going to be a banger, then he's going to have to be able to be very, very good at slipping and getting through cracks so he can have, uh, so he can make productive plays. I need to see that. I think Derek Johnson is a nice comparison. I mean, Derek Johnson was someone I think went 13. Um, I think Zach's range is somewhere at the bottom of the first to somewhere in the second round. We'll see where he goes, but I know it's easy for guys to fall in love. And during this part of the process, when they see him walk out and he's a body beautiful kid, 6'4", 240 pounds, looks like he can run a little bit, he may go higher than the way that he And that's okay. And, and again, when you're evaluating players, it's not whether you're right or whether you're wrong. It's no, not determined what, on draft day. No, no, no. It's determined on what they end up being throughout their career. And Three for years. me, I just have some other guys that I that I like a little bit better than him. Uh, a couple other things, Bucky, I want to get to before we roll out of here. Um, one, um, a couple things. Uh, team building and culture are things we're going to hear a lot about as you're going through free agency and into the draft. And we have some new coaches and some new people in place around the league. And I've talking to folks, I've heard about some some change in culture that, that's taking place in some of these organizations and it was fascinating to me about you know some of the different uh things that are that are going on one of them um it was just you we you didn't have to deal with this when you were playing the league when i was scouting you didn't have to deal with it but one organization where they're going to cut down on the use of of uh, electronics within the facility so for players you know like you're in there like in you're in a training room or you're in a locker room or whatever they they don't want cell phones in there you can those are turned off. The reason being was explained to me is, and it was kind of interesting. I kind of like at first I was like, come on, man, what year is this? Then I start thinking about it. And I said, this does make some sense. It was okay. We're going to develop team and get to know your teammates and, and have some chemistry here. You can't all have, you can't have 53 players in their locker, just staring at their phone the whole time. And then it's time to go to a meeting. You're sitting there waiting for the meeting to start. You're staring at your phone. Coach comes in. Okay. Turn the phone off. 
instead of being in the meeting room and while you're waiting for the coach, it's, hey, what's going on with your son? Is his, he graduate? How is he graduate? Okay, what's going on? Hey, when we play this, they're running this defense. You know, we, what do you think about doing this? Or that? Those deeper level conversations, some people feel like those don't take place anymore because everybody, it's individualistic culture. Everybody's obsessed with their electronics. So they're trying to limit that a little bit. So again, Culture is the buzzword. You hear a lot about that. Okay. And so there's some of these little changes. I'm, I'm anxious to see how it, all, how it all works out. So a couple of different things. Having one, we both have kids. We understand how to deal with that. It's, it's different in the house watching your kids interact. And sometimes you have the car ride and they're on the phone the whole yeah. time. So it can be that. How about the dinner table? The dinner table, trying to get that, put the, put the phone away or whatever. But then in coaching high school athletes, and particularly at some of these all-star events or gatherings at the opening, it is a challenge dealing with today's kid when sometimes you are coaching them up and we're watching tape and everyone has their phone out and you're like, hey, guys, let's put the phone away. Yep. Or in the middle of 707 games, you look over. They're taking pictures or doing Snapchat. They're on their phone in between. So there does need to be some regulation, but this is what I will say. When you're dealing with today's athlete, that process has to be very, very dynamic when it comes to in the locker room, in teaching. You have to be able to keep their attention. Um, Jim Harbaugh talks about more walkthroughs than meeting time. Mm -hmm. uh, I know when Chip Kelly was a head coach, not only in Philly but in San Francisco, those meetings were confined to maybe 20 to 25 minutes because anything beyond that, you lose out. their yep. attention. So if you're going to do that, you need to be able to find a way to capture their attention because without their phones, because remember, they're on their phones all the time. So they're used to quick information, things go, their attention span is very, very short. So those coaches that are in the front of the room – they also need to be dynamic. If you're going to put the old 65-year-old guy that's talking slow in the <laughs> Southern Brawl, you're going to lose him. But I do like, hey, let's put it away. Let's make sure we get together and understand exactly what we're doing. It's just fascinating to me. And one, uh, one quick story. I listen to this podcast, Entree Leadership Podcast. Ken Coleman hosts it. It's, it's like one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. They have different leaders in business and, and sports and trying leadership, just to try, tying all this stuff together. He had a guy on there that was uh, an assistant coach under Chuck Daly with the Pistons, and this was during the years with the Dream Team. So Chuck Daly coached the Dream Team, the greatest mm -hmm. team ever assembled, basketball, Magic Bird, uh, you know, Jordan, everybody, Barkley, uh, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, all those dudes. So he was telling the story, which I thought was great. He said, you know, we had he knew for a year and a half that Chuck Daly was going to be the coach. So he's an assistant. He knows he's going to be there uh, with him. So he said, we'd be on road trips in the NBA that year. And I would say, Chuck, have you thought about what uh, what you're going to say to the team when you first get them together? No, no, I'm, I, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, wait a little bit longer. Next, you know, Chuck, you want to bounce some ideas off of each other? I mean, you're going to be standing in a room with 12 Hall of Fame players. Like, how are you going to address them? What's that first? No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So he's like, oh, so we get to this meeting. I got there in La Jolla where the dream team is going to train. And they, they get in the room, and he said the room's set up like a U. So there's Chuck, Chuck Daly's not at the head of the table. He's not talking down to the guys from a podium. Everybody's looking at each other. And so he's like, I'm sitting here just fascinated to see what he's going to say in this first meeting. And the first thing he says is, guys, listen up. I need you to be on time. And then this guy, like I said, his jaw dropped. Like, you had like a year and a half to plan this thing, and that's literally what you're coming with? I need you to be on time? And he paused for a minute and he said, because, uh, you know, Patrick, if you're not on time, that's not respecting Charles. Charles, if you're not on time, that's not respecting Michael. You know, Michael, if you're not on time, that's not respecting John Stockton. We have respect for one another. We need to be on time. So he said the next day they had their first practice. Bus is going to be there at 12 to leave at 12. He said Michael Jordan was on the bus at 11.15. 
45 minutes before the bus left. And he said for that entire process with these Hall of Fame players, he said Michael Jordan was there, was on the bus at least 30 minutes before the bus was to depart. Talk about leadership and setting an example. And then he said nobody, said the closest anybody came to being late for a bus through that whole process was 10 minutes early. That's funny. And, I, and I'm going to go back to that because I've had it. Okay, we'll go back playing experience, played on Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin's rule was five minutes early. Uh, if the meeting was at 10, the meeting's going to start at 9.55. Um, I have since learned in taking sports psych classes, uh, Dr. Silver at North Carolina, we had Anson Dorrance and people come in. And the one thing they said, if you're going to have one rule, if you put be on time as the rule, it encompasses everything. Because to be on time, you have to be organized. You have to be aware. You have to be respectful. You have to understand all of those things and those factors. So that one rule that he did covered a lot of different things, and it obviously worked for them because they had the success that they had. But you also see how it affects other people. And for Michael Jordan, just knowing the Carolina basketball program and kind of being around and taking classes, they talked about Dean Smith. And Dean Smith said um, being tardy is the most disrespectful thing that you can do because it means that you value your, your time, time over anybody else's. Over anybody else's. So that's kind of been one of those things. So I absolutely agree with that. So anyways, I thought it was – Even just, though I struggle with it. No, no, <laughs> no but I just I, – I thought that was uh, – I thought it was pretty fascinating. Arjuna stopped laughing back <laughs> Laughing behind the glass. Um, hey, real quick, last thing before we roll. We've talked in the past – we brought it up previously about this quarterback class and, and quarterbacks in general. And we wondered – people say, well, winning's not a quarterback stat. Well – I was listening to another podcast to kind of find out this is like my podcast favorites here. Uh-huh. Um, the Audible with uh, with Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel, I think. Great if, podcast, if by the way. Like it, you like it, it's turn, awesome. You turned College me football. on to it. I started listening to it, college football, because I believe, even as a scout, there's a lot that we can learn from people in the college football game because they know these guys sometimes a lot more than we know them until we kind of get into the process. Yeah, it's a great, great podcast. And on signing day, they had a bunch of the top coaches in the country on to talk about their kids. And so this whole process and this whole thought of evaluation of quarterbacks in college as they go to the next level, something we're going to be immersed with here in the next couple months as we get towards the, the combine and the draft, uh, something caught my ear a little bit, what Urban Meyer said when they were talking to him on, on the podcast about not just the skill sets, but about how successful these guys have been from a win-loss perspective. And we do not evaluate on you know size, on, on completion percentage. We, we evaluate on wins and losses. And, and JT Barrett is a winner. Uh, Cardell Jones was a winner. Braxton Miller was a winner. And then you got this guy coming in that, I mean, is a big time winner. I don't know if he's ever lost. And so uh, you can see that in his personality, the way he handles himself. And you see it. He's been here, you know, two and a half, three weeks. And that's all people say. Just a relentless pursuit of, of being a great player, but also uh, picking up those around him. So very impressed with him so far, too. So this got me thinking about my little quarterback project I've been working on, looking at the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Now, a couple of them are a little bit nebulous. I had to make a call on it. Um, Houston, I had Savage as a starter because he had replaced uh, Osweiler late in the year. So that's one one that was tricky. And then with the Jets, I put Bryce Petty in there. I got no idea who they're going to start next year. But anyways, looking at those 32 players, Bucky, of the 32 starting quarterbacks, only two of them, two of the 32 uh, were under 500 their last year in college. Those two, Jay Cutler and Trevor Simeon, who was at Northwestern. 30 of the 32 had winning records. So 
that's going to be the, the struggle to me with Deshaun Kaiser. Now, I know everybody says, well, quarterbacks winning, that's not really a thing. 30 of 32 is a pretty high percentage. Pretty and you hear somebody like Urban Meyer talk about how the importance he places on it at the high school level. Just kind of all this stuff kind of rolling through my head. I'm a big believer in it. I'm a big believer. Um, God, what did uh, I want to say 50 Cent said in a song? Winners win. Losers lose. Yeah, and say it all the time. There, there's something that's true to that. Um, when I was at North Carolina under Mac Brown, who won a national title at Texas, he was a big believer when you built your program that you had to have winners because winners inherently know – how to get to the winner's circle. It's in them. They're willing to buy in. They know that. At the end of the day, we talk about the quarterback position being the most important position in football. That guy needs to be able to tell everybody, look, I know how to drive the car to the winner's circle. Jump on board. I got this. And so if your quarterback doesn't have experience winning, and particularly winning big games, it's hard to get guys to buy into the notion that when we need him to take his game up a notch to win a big game, He's going to be able to do it. So what Urban says to me is very, very important. And I think it's important as we get to this part of the process that we remember that part of it. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how we separate all of these quarterbacks because all these quarterbacks have the skills to be starters in the league. But trying to find the guys that have the potential to be the most successful, you have to dig deeper than just the physical skills. Those intangible qualities certainly matter. All right, so of the 32 starting quarterbacks, I mentioned 30 of the 32 had winning records. 24 of the 32 won at least 10 games there last year. Got to win. Got to so, win a lot. And then I looked – okay, so then I – okay, let's look at completion percentage here real quick. Um, your final year in college, 27 of the 32 starters in the NFL, their final year in college, were over 60% completion rate. Again, the only two starters in the league right now that were under 500 – and were under 60% their final year in college were the two, Jay Cutler, Trevor Simeon. That's it. That's it. I mean, it, it speaks volumes. And I know during this time we'll, we'll hear people say, oh, you can't worry about completion percentage because uh, the way the game is rigged at the college level, uh, there's so many bubble passes and things that happen right in the line of scrimmage. When we now look at the league, I see a lot of those same things. It's a lot of quick game. A lot of quick game, rather you're pushing the ball down the field. Tom Brady is a guy who's a master of the quick game. He can make some plays at the intermediate box, meaning 11 to 20. But rarely are guys really chunking it all the way down the field. You have to be efficient and effective. So when you add the efficiency and the effectiveness as a passer with winning games, meaning you understand situations and score and how to manage the game, there are a lot of factors that go into winning games, and if the quarterback has that mastered, your team can win a lot of games. The one quarterback who his last year was under 60% that has really kind of been a great quarterback is Matt Ryan. He was 59.3% uh, at Boston College his last year. Now, Sam Bradford only played three games his last year, so that number was low, 56.5, but over his career, 67.6. So that was just over I think, a small I think, sample I think, size. I think the bigger thing when it comes to as we're doing the quarterback project – um, is not only looking at their final season, but also kind of weighing it against what their career thing was. What was their career record? What did they do over the totality of their playing days at the collegiate level? We will refer to this, the Bill Parcells rule. Bill Parcells' preferred quarterbacks had two and a half starts. I mean, two and a half years as a starter, meaning 30 starts. He wanted them to have 23 wins. He wanted that completion percentage to be over 60, and they needed to be college graduates. The graduate – 
thing spoke to the maturity. Obviously, the completion percentage talked about the accuracy, the wins. It's that winning pedigree, understanding how to get it done. And then you just want to see a sustained track record of success. So as we're looking at that, it is important to remember. And so I just did a thing uh, we posted yesterday. I did the book on Deshaun Watson. And I believe Deshaun Watson is probably the most polarizing prospect in this draft because coaches can fall in love with him because of the wins. He won 32 of 35 games during his time as a collegiate. But when you look at the tape, there's some things that you don't like. He had a bunch of turnovers, 30 interceptions over the past two years. Uh, completion percentage was over 60 and that stuff. But you see him miss some layups down the field. And it's a lot of kind of quick rhythm throws. So as you're kind of doing the evaluation, you're like, man, there's some stuff. But then when you turn on the big games, he is a guy that typically looks like the best guy on the field. So what do you do with that? I'm fascinated to see what do NFL evaluators do with all of that information. Do you go with production? Or potential when it comes to the, the and, situation, and I want to make sure that I clarify here. I'm 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 100% a tape guy. I'm not a number. I'm not totally. But it matters though. No, but, but, I know. But, but, but I, it, I just like I, I think it's helpful to supplement the tape when you look at things like this and to say, okay, like a Deshaun Kaiser, who I have as my top quarterback. I think he's got tremendous ability, tremendous tools. There's a lot to work with. Now, when you look at it and say, okay, but just from a numbers perspective, under 60% is final year in college with a losing record. That's a narrow field of guys that have that have been and we're talking about Trevor Simeon and Jay Cutler we're not talking about you know the top quarterbacks in the league here okay so let's break this down so th- this is what we're doing because you talk about you're a tape guy and the numbers are to supplement it in a draft room when you have similarly graded players you're trying to come in with all the ammunition to sell your guy or to kind of be the, the you're the a lawyer tiebreaker. you're a lawyer and so when you're doing that and you Add that up and you bring that in. You bring in winning percentages and what are the notable games and do they have common opponents? How did they play versus the same guy? All of those things matter because what you're trying to do is you're trying to give yourself the best odds of landing the best player for your team. And so I believe that information matters. You have to have the eye for what I want on tape. But then the numbers, I'm a big believer in supplementing that. So when I look at wide receivers, to me, I'm a big believer in yards per catch. What is the yards per catch average? Are they averaging 15 or 16? Because that's a big play play. If they're averaging 9, 10 yards per, they're just a guy that's just catching the ball and going down. So it's similar. Numbers do matter. The stats can certainly paint a picture if used correctly with the tape. And with running backs, to me, explosive runs. So runs over 20-plus yards are, are a big number. Uh, to, well, look, we're going to have time to get into all this stuff. I think this is a pretty meaty episode here, Buck. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we have uh, one more thing to remind the folks of before we get out of here, and that's our scouting competition. Um, we have uh, we have got, oh, I think, what, 100, Arjuna? Close to 100 responses already? 100 we are reports? over 100. Over 100 reports that we've got in already on the uh, on this competition. So, again, the rules on this thing, all you got to do is, is look at your favorite player from 2016, the NFL season, um, and you're going to compile a little little nuggets on his strengths and his weakness and then a 300-word summary. That's it. Just concise. Tell us about the player. Send that report into move the sticks at NFL.com for your chance to win a year subscription to NFL Game Pass, which is a way to watch all 22 footage uh, that the scouts watch uh, for an entire year. And you also get to come on the podcast here on Move the Sticks. Uh, you need to go to NFL.com slash scouting competition. You can get all the details. This is open until February 17th, 2017. There's no purchase uh, necessary. It's open to legal residents 18 and older in the U.S. and the District of Columbia. So over 100 in, we're going to select our top five, and then we're going to eventually narrow that down to two. So you still got a little time left uh, to jump in this competition. Who knows? You may win it. 
Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Please, please subscribe to the podcast. It'll show up in your, it'll show up automatically on your phone. You can listen to it uh, as we're going to start really cranking this thing up as we march towards the draft. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm DJ. Appreciate you guys checking us out, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 